Can you hear me okay? Okay. Again, thank you for allowing me to the privilege of coming out and, and speaking uh, to you to, tonight and also this morning. Um, it is a pleasure to be with you. I had uh, the pleasure of going out to lunch with uh, some of the fine folks and having some real good barbecue. And uh, anybody that knows me knows I'm a barbecue aficionado, so I enjoyed that quite well. And um, also, again, want to um, give Brother Wesley's um, uh, greetings and hello, I guess. Uh, he has very fond memories of you, uh, of you all, and uh, he wanted me to make sure that you knew that and uh, continue uh, thanking you for your support of the school and the students there. And, uh, and I also thank you as well on behalf of me and my family. Uh, can't think of anything better that I can be able to do than to study the Bible without having to do anything else. In Haggai chapter 1, we read about the children of Israel when they came back uh, out of bondage. About 600 years before Christ, uh, Judah was taken into Babylonian captivity. This was prophesied that it would happen to them. And Jerusalem and the temple was plundered and burned. The people's houses were burned that they had built previously for themselves. The temple of God was torn down and burned. Seventy years later, the Jews were allowed to return. It was the Lord's intention that they build His house. That they rebuild the temple. He stirred up Cyrus of Persia that he would let them do this. At this time, Cyrus, um, the king of Persia, Persia had overtaken the Babylonian uh, empire that um, had overtaken the Jews. And he stirred up Cyrus of Persia to let him do this. In Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you? Excuse me. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the freewill offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the fathers, houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, with all those spirits, God had moved 
arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. To give you an idea of how many went up, it says that of the Israelites, there was numbered 42,360. Servants of men and women, 7,337. And of singers, men and women, 200. As well as the animals and all the things that they took with them. But, once the people returned to Jerusalem, other things began to take priority over building the Lord's house, over building the temple. God sent Haggai to the Jews with a simple message. The message was build the temple. The message has an application for the church today. We talked about in our Bible class this morning about growth and about how God wants growth and increase. We talked about in the worship hour how that God has a pattern for us. Let's turn in our Bibles to Haggai chapter 1 and take a closer look. Starting in verse 1, it says, In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Our two lessons that we had this morning. That was part of the message in those. Consider your ways. We always need to be looking at ourselves and seeing where we are at in our Christianity and where we are in our standing with our God. In verse 6 it says, You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord God of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that is in ruins. While every one of you runs to his own house, therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God 
had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. So here we have the people coming out of bondage. And King Cyrus, he was moved by God to let the people go and build his temple. But what happened? The people got sidetracked, didn't they? They got busy with other things. They had different priorities than the priorities of God. You know, we face a similar task today. We're not building a a physical structure today. We're building a spiritual structure. For God does not dwell in temples made with hands. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The temple of God is now the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, we read, Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. We are where God dwells today. Not in the temple made with hands, but He dwells in the hearts of men. Though it's a spiritual structure, God's temple is still undergoing construction today. We're still building. The foundation was already laid. Jesus and the apostles, the prophets. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, it says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, and whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Let that sink in for a minute. We're the dwelling place of God. How wonderful is that? It grows as the people are converted by the preaching of the gospel. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, we also read in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. So we have a similar task to build the temple, just like the children of Israel did. A never ending task. Haggai's message is is very applicable to us today. Does the Lord's house lie in ruin while we run to our own homes? God gives us so many opportunities and so many chances in our lives. And sometimes we squander those 
We don't use them. We get sidetracked. We need to be about building the Lord's house so that He can dwell there. We're talking about our own personal growth. We're talking about us as individuals. Does the Lord's house lie in ruin while we run to our own homes? The Lord's house, the church, it does lie in ruin if we allow other things to keep us from doing our part to evangelize the lost. This is something that I I realized that I had been doing for a while. Um, Whenever I got married to Amy... I said, we need to establish our home. I need to get a career. At that point, I had um, uh, had very little education. I had dropped out of high school. And uh, so I pursued a professional degree and, and uh, did that. But during that time, um, I spent a lot of time focused on that instead of focusing on God. Now, some people can do both, and that's wonderful. I'm glad that they can, but I let a lot of things slip during that time and lost my focus. If we neglect to do our part in edifying the body of Christ, then we let God's house lie in ruin. If we're not doing what we need to do to evangelize the lost and to edify the body, to build each other up, to encourage each other, to do good works. And I'm afraid we've lost that a little bit along the way. Uh, it seems that today we're not as, not as family-oriented and tight as, as a church needs to be. And I've, I've seen this all over, and, and I hope that, um, hope that we can grow closer as a church family in the future because that's what's going to sustain us for the work ahead. Whatever our abilities and opportunities that we have, we have a responsibility in building the house of the Lord today. You know, it's hard work building a house. Now, I've never built a house Myself, I've done some remodeling. There may be some of you here that have actually built houses. Putting up the walls and the framing and putting up the roof trusses, putting on the roof and the shingles. That's some hard work. It takes effort to build a house, a physical house. It's no different with a spiritual house. It takes effort. It takes time. And that's something that we need to be focused on more. It may involve teaching or serving, like in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, and 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. It may involve sending or going. One of the things that you are doing is you're sending support to the school of preaching. And that's one part that you are doing. And I appreciate that. Though exercising, or through exercising our abilities, we can build the temple of God today. Otherwise, the temple of 
uh, or the house of the Lord will lie in ruin. We can't say it's up to somebody else or somebody else will do it. It's up to each and every one of us and each one has a part. Is it time for us to dwell in our paneled homes and let the Lord's house lie in ruin? We live in some pretty comfortable homes today with air conditioning. Man, I really like air conditioning. It's a little hotter down here than it is up at the house. <laughs> we're, we're, we've got a little bit more of the mountains up there, and, and down here I've noticed that uh, my, um, my temperature gauge is a little higher than it was up there. Uh, but we live in some comfort today. But we need to remember that, that there is work to do. You know, evidently, um, some think that it is time to uh, sit in their homes, their paneled homes, while the house of the Lord lies in ruin. They may not do it by saying it, but they do it by their actions. The attitude of the Jews here at this time, it says, the time has not come for the Lord's house to be built. Haggai chapter 1 verse 2. Why? Why is it not time? Because they had the materials. In Ezra chapter 2 verse 69 it says, According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for the work 61,000 gold drachmas, 5,000 minas of silver, and 100 priestly garments. They also had the backing of the king. They had the king's blessing and his purse. In Ezra chapter 6, verse 8, it says, With three rows of heavy stones and one row of new timber, let the expenses be paid from the king's treasury. They had what they needed. And God has supplied us with what we need. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. We have that. God's with us. The Jews' reasoning could be inferred from Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. They were too busy building their own homes. Tents were good enough for their fathers, wandering in the wilderness when God supplied everything for them. But they needed to build homes before they build the Lord's house. Apparently they'd had some time to build the Lord's house, but they didn't do that first. We must not say later, Lord, I have things to do first. I have this or that to do. You know, their attitude was made clear there in chapter 1, verse 9, while the Lord's house lay in ruins. Everyone was concerned with his own home. Selfishness. Selfishness is a terrible problem. It has torn apart families. It's torn apart marriages. It's torn apart churches. Because of selfishness. Jesus gave everything. He gave His life as He lived it. And He also gave Himself in death as He died for us. His whole life was giving. The message of Haggai, is it time to dwell in paneled homes while the temple lies in ruins? 
the Lord's challenge here was consider your ways. If we get nothing out of the lesson, if you get nothing else out, remember to consider your ways daily. Look at yourself. Look at the way you're living your life and what you're doing for God. And make sure that you are standing with Him. That you're building His house so that He can have an increase and have growth. Things had not been going well. They should have been building the temple. And instead, they were doing their own work and God was not profiting it. He said He was blowing against it. The Lord even called for a drought and judgment upon them in Haggai chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. The preaching of Haggai proved successful though. Because later there we read, In reverence the people obeyed and completed the construction of the temple. Since this was written for our admonition, the book of Haggai, the record of the Old Testament, it's written for us today. It's written for our learning. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 tells us that. So let's now consider what's the application again to us today. We are the spiritual Israel. And we were taken captive by sin. Therefore, we were in bondage. Each one of us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Come short of His will. So in that sense, we have all have been in bondage at one point in our lives. But God delivered us from sin, from bondage, whenever He sent His Son to give His life for us. We can't say, I need to finish school. Then I'll be a better servant to God. I need to get on top of my responsibilities and my job. Then, then I can, I can do what God wants me to do. I need to raise my children first. We may not say it out loud, but sometimes we do it with our actions. We're building our own homes instead of building the house of God. In each case, the bottom line is the same. The Lord's house lies in ruin while we go about our own way, living our own lives. You know, I, I told you my personal example there. Uh, I have two degrees now. Well, actually, I have several degrees. Uh, where I went uh, to school and for professional gain and... Um, well, I've got some stuff to show for it. I've got a mortgage. And I've got a hefty student loan. And I've got a little money in the bank. A little in savings. That whole time, I spent lots of time away from my family. My son, my wife. Lots of time away from doing the things that I could be doing for God. And... Finally, I came to the realization that I need to do something for God. I need to give it to Him. And I made that commitment to go to preaching school. Now, I'm not saying everyone has to go to preaching school. Especially you women. 
That's a different subject, a different sermon altogether. But we need to be doing something for God. And we need to be working, not only on other people, but on ourselves, so that we can grow into what God wants us to be. We need to be building the house. Perhaps there was a divine reason for the drought in my life that I didn't prosper as much as I wanted to. Maybe the Lord corrects us that way in His providence. But if we will put the Lord in His kingdom, His house first, God will provide all the necessities for us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33 tells us that. God will multiply our seed for sowing. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 11. But if we neglect the Lord's work, we won't have God's providence helping us. We may even experience His loving discipline. We saw that the Jews here, they took to heart the message of Haggai. But we didn't focus in on on one thing that was stressed, the Lord's response. He said, I am with you, says the Lord. That phrase is interesting, I am with you. It's similar to the promise that that Jesus made in the Great Commission, isn't it? Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Thus we have assurance that if we observe all that Christ commanded us, He's going to be with us. He'll help us, even as God did Israel. I have not lacked once since I started, made the commitment to go to to preaching school. And I, I have a feeling that I won't lack. And if I do, I'll keep on going. Because God will take care of us in the end. So we have that assurance. But yet this blessed assurance is for those who do not let the Lord's house lie in ruin while they dwell in paneled homes. My question is, are you doing your part to build the Lord's house? You're part of the house that you're building. His house is built up of all of us. You know there are different parts to a house. There there is the trim work, the detail work. There is the siding work, the roofing. Whatever part that you're working on, make it beautiful. That way we can have a beautiful house for God to dwell in. As we learned this morning, God has a pattern. In order to have these blessings that we talk about, we have to be added 
to the church by our Lord, by our God. We learn that in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. God added to the church daily those that were being saved. God did it. We learned this morning that Jesus built His church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He said, I will build my church. It is His. He has the authority. He sets the pattern by which we must follow. He has commanded that we must hear the Word. We must believe it. We must repent of our sins turning away from our old man. We must confess Him before men that He is the Son of God. And we must be baptized. And then we have to live our life for Him, building His house daily until we die. And we can have a home in heaven with Him. If you've never done that, then we would encourage you to do that. I know the men here would love to study with you and help you in that. Or if you have followed the pattern, if you have been added to the church, if you have done what you need to do in order to be pleasing to God in that respect, but you have fallen away, you have left off building the house, and your house lies in ruin, then you can do something about that. God will forgive you if you will ask Him for forgiveness and confess your fault and your sin unto Him. Because He desires that we all be saved. And I know that the brothers and sisters here would love to pray with you and for you and help you in any way that they could. So if you are subject to the invitation tonight, if you are ready to build the house that God wants built, we ask that you do that as you come forward and sing.